what up? It's your boy ONJJ Stone, aka O Doctor, and this is probably episode eight of Doctales. I don't know because I'm not really keeping track because numbers really aren't my thing, and uh, I don't feel like checking the numbers, so I'm not going to tell you exactly what the number is. I'm on the Twitter, I'm on the Facebook, I'm on the Instagrams. Uh, some people throw me money at Patreon. If you have any money, you can feel free to throw it at me. If you don't have any money, free stuff you can do is subscribe on iTunes or YouTube. I understand nobody has any money right now, so just click the subscribe button. It's almost like you're paying me to do what I'm doing. And if you don't do it, then I understand you're lazy and that's what some people are. It's okay. I won't hate you. Just enjoy the content. Uh, today, I have not only a friend, not only a scholar, but I have a family member. Uncle Leo Laporte is with me today. It's true, though. I really feel like you're, we're, we're family. I, I love that. Thank you, Owen. Man, it's uh, so people, it's funny. Some people love the fact that I call you Uncle Leo, and that sometimes it gets infectious, like on the show, and other people call you Uncle Leo, and other people are like, oh, you called him Uncle Leo, and I'm like, you can't have fun with anything? Like, Just ignore those people. I wasn't even the first guy to call you Uncle Leo. Do you know who the first guy to call you Uncle Leo was? I don't. Who? Um, I, somebody, who? Somebody sent me a link a long time ago it was chris perillo on oh, tech tv sense. i'm kind of uh well i'm older than most people and uh so i'm you know like i'm not quite your your brother or even your older brother i'm and i'm not not your father yeah because I'm high all the time so i'm, I'm like your uncle yeah uncle i make uh, sense i'm not I hope i'm not your grandpa that no. would be no, well, you too you still have too many of your faculties to be uh grandpa leo that's uh getting there once, uh, once, once you start losing those faculties, then then we get into the grandpa era when you forget when you forget who I am and start calling me Alan. Uh, <laughs> hey, Alan. That's, that's, Sometimes I see pictures of myself and I swear that I look like Grandpa Munster. So it could be just maybe that's the Grandpa Munster thing coming through. So um, you, like myself, have a very, very, very fantastic memory. What's your first memory that you could think of, like when you were a kid? Like if you think back, what's the thing that sticks out of your mind like that happened to you or something you did or you had i you know uh, i probably like a lot of people i'm not sure if my earliest memories are actually memories or memories of pictures of things you know what i mean sometimes you you remember uh, an event because i think i my first memory is i was about uh, two years old maybe a little younger maybe a year and a half looking out the uh, window of our apartment. My my mom and dad lived uh, in New York City in the uh, on the Upper West Side, um, at the Frederick Douglass uh, 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 housing projects, and uh, I remember I was waiting for my grandma to come visit us, and I remember looking out the window. It was a high rise. I don't know how high we were, maybe eight or nine stories, and I remember looking out the window looking for her car. And I do remember that. I'm pretty sure I remember that. But now there's pictures of me sitting in that window. So I'm not – sometimes I'm confused. Mem about. Memory reinforcement. Yeah, it's reinforced. So, yeah. That's, I think, my earliest memory. That Well, that would be a really good early memory. Like the earliest memory I can think of is like that I know that happened is when I was four years old and I had a trike, a little motorized trike. Yeah. And I used to ride it down the driveway. Our driveway was on a hill. And I would run into the little brick that outlined our shed, and I and I walked the thing all the way back up, and I ride it all the way back down. It's not smart. No, it's not smart. Um, I got beat for that, so that's why I really remember it. I got I got away with it for a in day. In a case like that, the brick wall almost always gonna win. But I mean, as a kid, it's a good way to stop because you get to go the maximum speed, <laughs> but you have something that's there to stop you. So it yeah, was it was really true. fun. I uh, actually have a similar memory at four years old of riding a trike. But this was actually a traumatic memory because uh, it was winter and the ground was very icy and the trike slipped out from under me and I went bang on my two front teeth and they had to be pulled. And I do, I know this is a memory. There's no picture of that. I vividly remember that. And uh, going to the dentist and he put me under ether because that's what they did in those days. We didn't have, they didn't have decent, uh, you know, this was 1960. And, uh, and he put me under ether. So, and I remember vividly a roller coaster dream, being on a roller coaster. I've never been on a roller coaster, but I remember that. And then I was missing my two front teeth for a while till my grown up teeth came in. And to this day, I have a little chip from that accident on my uh, front, one of my front teeth. There's, there's a chip in it. Never forget. Never Not only forget. I didn't forget, I've got a permanent uh, scar to prove it. As oh. you probably do, but you don't. I, I, my my scars are, are mental. Like they're, they're literally emotional. as a, as a child. Uh, there's a pictures of 
um, my dad caught me when I was like two. I would like hit my head against things and it wouldn't hurt and like I'd laugh at it. So the one time I put a dent in the side of his station wagon and there's a picture of my dad like yelling at me and there's like the dent in the car. And I was like, what, what did I do? He's like, you're just sitting there banging your head up against the car laughing. And I'm like, obviously, just, you know, proceeded to my insanity later on in life. But uh, I feel like, uh, you know, somebody listening like a Georgia Dow might be listening to this and saying, well, there's a trend here. Running yeah, yeah. a brick wall on your bike. Yeah, or- I, I was I was Captain Danger when I was a little kid. And then I, I stopped doing that. Um, the, the, the coolest thing after that was uh, I was like between the ages of like six to eight. In the wintertime, I would take a shower, and our shower was, like, uh, right next to the back door. So when it would snow, I'd be in the shower, and I'd hop out, and I'd go stand out on the uh, patio in the backyard and watch the steam come off like I was a superhero. <laughs> and I'd run back inside. You were so, a weird kid. Oh, man. It was probably due to all that head bumping. <laughs> that weird, was, weird was, kid. Man, you could be like Johnny from uh, Fantastic Four. You're just steaming, so it looks like you're on fire. Your whole body oh, just full of steam. You imagination. That yeah, yeah. I used to pin a towel around my neck and ride my bike really fast so that my cape would fly out and pretend I was Superman. I remember doing that. that that's smart until the cape uh, catches your back tire, and the next thing you know, you get dragged it- down. Um, the, the, uh, the last time I was sp- speaking of falling on a bike, I, I haven't fallen since 2012, but before that, I hadn't fallen since 1988. Uh, I was riding... Uh, on the handlebars of the bike with my friend, I saw the young love of my life who my daughter's named after. Right. And I looked over at her and my foot hit the wheel. Oh, dear. And we doubled over. And so I vowed that I would never fall and embarrass myself again. I went a good 20 years <laughs> and, before and the next time that I fell. Talk to you again. That was it. That oh, was yeah, it. yeah. It was a very uh, embarrassing moment as a young man uh, when you're trying to be cool and you're riding. <laughs> you know, and you're just like, bloop, bloop. You can't really recover from that. Uh, Did you uh, have pets as a kid? I had one dog for like two years, and then we had to move, so we gave the dog away. We couldn't take the dog with us. Why, I have no clue. Did they lie to you? Did they say, well, <laughs> we gave, we, uh, gave him away? He's a- yeah, they did something like that. I didn't, get a, I didn't get another pet until high school. By that point, uh, my cousin was breeding pit bulls, and we had like eight dogs so i had a ton of dogs Yikes. from like nine ninth grade on through high school they say um, pit bulls are very good with kids oh they love cho- they love people they're people pleasers and that's part of the reason why people could get them to fight because they would do anything for their owner right so once you train them to do something they would do it they, to the fullest yeah you know um that's that's kind of dogs they were that's mean to do that to a dog it is it, it it's calmed down a lot it's not as rampant as it was you know even just 10 years ago now everybody's into shows. Like when I was in high school and I told you my cousin had those dogs, there were a lot of people trying to buy dogs to fight them and do all kinds of stuff with them. Now they're just there's breeding shows every weekend. So the competition has changed. Well, that's From trying to have your dogs fighting and killing each other. Now it's trying to breed in the best line, make shorter or smaller or stronger dogs. And then so that's the trade that goes off. Before you used to buy a dog for the bloodline of, oh, this dog won eight and eight fights, and you know we want the puppies off of him. Now it's, oh, this dog's won seven championships. We want the dog off of him. So it's it's transitioned, and people have left that arena, so to speak, at least up here in the north. That was uh, oh, kind of the uh, excuse, at least in my mind, that I gave Michael Vick, was that he came from a culture of dog fighting. It was normal... Uh, and of course, many other people think that's a cruel, horrible thing, which it is. Yeah. But it, but he didn't know because that's what everybody did. And at the same time, we do so many cruel things to animals that people just daily yeah. eat their chicken <laughs> and eat their cows <laughs> and and go on about their day. I mean, I don't justify dog fighting, but at the same time, even that whole situation, he didn't live there. His cousins were doing it. He just paid for the house that they lived in and everything got put on him and the guys were actually fighting the dogs and not taking care of the dogs get to go to jail for six months and then come home and nobody ever hears about him again this guy has paid his dues he's yeah. paid back all his debts like he did everything right so he, yeah. he he quote unquote turned his life around and um i don't i don't begrudge a second chance for people what do you think of colin kaepernick these days um besides the fact that he needs to gain back 15 pounds of muscle He's an adult making an adult decision, and the thing that people forget about America is 
by the rights of America, he has the right to sit down and to protest. Well, even it was, by the rights of the NFL. It, it's not a requirement no, in the NFL. No. It was a silent protest. It wasn't bothering anybody until a slow news cycle happened. He's been doing it for three weeks, and now all of a sudden it's well, a slow week. See, that's what I was curious about, because some people speculated, oh, they didn't let him wear his tinted visor. He was sulking, and then he made an excuse. But he hadn't done it all season. Yes, I watched it outside the lines today. So starting this season, he did it for the other previous games. And so it just, again, it was a slow news cycle, so it came up, somebody asked him about it. Now, here's something I learned that shocked me. The, did you read the story about the Star Spangled Banner and the lyrics <laughs> uh, in a verse that's never performed or sung, but the f third verse celebrating the death of slaves? Uh, th this country is really, really, really has a problem. I, I, you know, I love white people. Or DNA. I, I, I love white people. I love all white people. But people try to tell me things all the time. And I'm like, you don't understand. Like. Chase Morgan used to uh, take slaves as collateral for loans. Yeah. Aetna used to insure your slaves yeah. when they, that's how they first got their business started. So there's a lot of foundational corporations that have started on oppressing black people and having problems with black people. And then when you look at the systemics of today, it's still ingrained in some cultures. You know, there'll never be an N-word at SEE. That uh, fraternity, the guy got caught chanting on the bus. And the only reason somebody says something is because somebody videotaped and put it out. But they've been doing this as a tradition for 100 right. years. That's why there's no black people that come out of there. And, and there have been lawyers and judges, uh, right. police chiefs that have come out of that university and gotten jobs and helped each other up, but they have that mentality. It's so sad. It's sad. It, you know, of course, Volkswagen was Hitler's car. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, but uh, at the same time, I think one thing the Germans have done that you have to respect them for is openly faced their past and acknowledged it and rejected it. And I think some Americans have openly faced our horrific slavery past but many more have not and so when colin doesn't stand up for the star spangled banner if you know the lyrics of that song it doesn't seem unpatriotic i can kind of dig i can understand what he's saying and the thing that people don't get to is that the flag was not made by or built by the military okay when we came to this country people act like anything has been done by peace and freedom peace freedom and marches a gives you nothing you know how the people got out of england they fought their way out of england do you know how they stayed in america they committed genocide do you know how they built yep. america a powerhouse they the brought in slaves pretty and, and had them bring up cotton like no one has ever protested martin luther king included he even got close to do it and they killed him no peace has ever gotten anyone in humanity anywhere so the fact that this man is just sitting down and, and taking a moment to express himself and get him out of the country i'm like that's not why they fight they fight you, for him you, to have the freedom to sit here. Nonviolent resistance, as Dr. King or Mahatma Gandhi uh, advocated. You don't believe in that? I don't believe that it works. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and, again. It, here's what I think. It works. It just takes a damn long time. If, it worked in India. It got the British out of India. But it took a lot of suffering and a long time. Uh, but, there but there was no violence? You sure there weren't violent outbreaks going on over there? I think that was why the British left. They left because they could not govern a people who wouldn't cooperate, but they didn't have to cooperate, non-cooperate violently. It was peaceful non-cooperation. Uh, uh, Here's what I, because I think about this with the revolution, the American Revolution, which we celebrate, right? It created this country. Very violent, very bloody. And by the way, what were they fighting for exactly? Well, they didn't like the tax on tea. They didn't, no taxation without representation. They didn't like being governed by a country far away. I understand that. I wouldn't like that either. But people were willing to, die and slaughter others for that i wonder if you know if americans had just done what gandhi and the indians did and just said hey hell no we won't go we're not going to cooperate if eventually without loss of life but over a long period of time maybe 50 more years the british would have left anyway genghis khan alexander the great every emperor in china um we're africa a violent, we're like, a violent species it, Look, we are a violent yeah. Nature is violent. Yeah. Everything, all animals are violent. But that doesn't mean it's the only way. It just means that's the usual way. I'm saying that's the way that works and gets it done and keeps people in line and in control. It's, it's not the right way, but... Much of an experiment. I, I, yeah, I guess that's why the chant, give peace a chance, is uh, still yep. resonating. People want to give it a chance. 
it's just not in our nature. And until aliens come and we have to unite against them, uh, I don't think the human race is. You know, when I tell my daughter about things, you know, I explain to her about Christopher Columbus, I explain to her about uh, Martin Luther King, and when she heard Muhammad Ali died, her first question was, "Did the white man kill him or did he die naturally?" And I'm uh, like, oh. "I'm like, oh, he died naturally." She's like, "Are you sure, Dad? Because everybody else in history, you know, Columbus comes over here, they're kidnapping people, they, 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 the Pilgrims did to the Indians." So and I had to tell him, like, "Oh my God, like she's half white." I got to like she knows about Germany and Nazis. I'm like, okay, Leah, not all white people. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, well, I was like, look, look, Egypt. I was like, Egyptians, Africans, they had slaves too. She's like, black people have slaves. I'm like, yeah, it's kind of a thing, Leah. The world changes, you know, Genghis Khan, the, the, the Asians had slaves. Like everybody kind of does it and takes their turns, but we're just in this turn now where it's a lot of Caucasians that are doing the last memories that you, you can think, think we're of. learning that maybe uh, you think we're getting better as a species as a race ask me about Syria ask me about uh, <laughs> anything in the Middle East where we trade and take money from some people that have dictatorships and can people in squares and then we bomb other people because we say we're tired of them killing their own people and then we end up killing more people by bombing them I mean I don't think we're getting any better even as a superpower we go kick in somebody else's door and tell them to be better but we're taking a crap in our own front yard i I don't i don't see it being better i actually see it being worse because now we live in a drone warfare society where people just get to send planes off and drop bombs you know oh we hit us at school by accident and killed 100 kids my bad please don't report it it was an accident but then you wonder why people are mad and they want to say death to america i'm like man if you just left people alone if they, if they want to live under a dictatorship, like you're saying, they need to revolt and give peace and do whatever they need to do to get under their own situation. We shouldn't be big brother to the world stepping in on people's situations when we have allies that do the same thing and we do nothing about it. It might just be context. I interviewed a guy named Peter Diamandis. He is the um, founder of the X Prize Foundation and uh, I'm, he was an engineer and a physician. He wrote a book saying the future is better than you think. And he just he was just this week quoted saying this is this. And this, I had to really think about this. This is the most peaceful time in human history. And I agree with you. You can point to Afghanistan and Syria and, you know, horrific stuff happening all over the world. But on balance, it might be the most peaceful time in human history. His point of view, and this is what he said. He said, it's getting better. He said, the world is getting better. We are learning and so I think some of this is your context. I mean, you can point to bad things. You can say bad things are happening. You always find something bad. It's a big world. It's just optimism versus realism versus pessimism versus, yeah, but optimistic people say this is the best. You call Yeah. So he's optimistic. This is the, be- uh, the best time in human history is probably, you he know, said, A.D. Was- something where people were bartering for everything and you didn't have enough people to fight and kill and there wasn't religion. So give me anything pre-religion and I, I'll venture you that that was a more peaceful time than we, we have right now. The most violent century in human history because uh, of weapons of mass destruction. Yes. And so the 20th century uh, with two world wars and the use of nuclear bombs was a horrific century. Yeah. More people died. I, th- I don't know what the numbers are, but I think more people died in the 20th century than many centuries before it. Uh, it's certainly... And we have the capability to kill more people now than we ever had. We do. Like I said before, it used to be when when a king wanted someone's land, the two kings would walk out there, duke it out, whichever one was upstanding, they could live. Then they started saying, well, I'm not fighting for the land. You go fight for it. Then they got bow and arrows, and then they got guns, and then they got... Now they got bombs, and people threatened to push the button. So it's... We, uh, we were in Germany last year uh, going down the Rhine. And this was uh, this is an area that was fought over for literally two centuries. The Romans conquered the, the 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 quote barbarians who lived there. Then back and forth and back and forth, and it's just soaked in blood. If you if you read the history of it, there wasn't a, a century that didn't have mass murders and killings and horrific stuff. And I contrast it to the white experience of the United States, and I should probably make it say that the white experience in the United States, we're, we don't have that kind of history. We've had a civil war. Uh, you know, we've had a genocide of the, of the in, uh, Indians and the Native Americans. But in general, we don't have that constant back and forth battle for, uh, you know, a square mile of land. So in some ways, this is a peaceful nation, maybe just because of its isolation. Yeah, again, I don't, I don't want to act like I think that the world is a horrible place. It is a beautiful you, balance... You, of yes. what it is you yeah. know uh it's the same thing that affords me 
the lifestyle that I live and uh, being with the person I'm with and when I want to be with somebody. So we have all kinds of freedoms that other people don't have. have. Friend? Huh? Do you have a girlfriend? I never knew that. No, no. Currently, I don't. But I'm saying when I do, on and off, <laughs> I'm free. I'm free to choose and do what I want to do. I mean, that's been here for, 40, 40 years ago. I, you know, I couldn't be sitting on a radio show with a white guy. You know what I mean? I couldn't have Absolutely. a friend. No, no, you know, no. It, it, it's the you know. Uh, I just got again. I got pulled and, over again. Did and, you, uh, with and, someone that's I call her my mom. She used to date my dad. She's she's fifty. Oh, man. And so I was in the car with another friend. He's black. And so the first cop car comes up, and the cop comes up, whatever, we're talking to him. He goes back. And she's like, do you guys have anything, like, on your record or anything? She's like, is your license okay? And he's like, why? She's like, because another cop car came up. Oh, boy. And so and she's like, she's starting to freak out. And I'm like, just don't worry about it. It's okay. A third cop car comes out. She's like, there's six cops back there. Something's got to be wrong with one of your licenses, or somebody's got a warrant or something. And I'm like, no, we're clean. Everything's cool. But, and it was all over a seatbelt. I didn't have my seatbelt on in the parking lot at McDonald's when we when we all saw the cop and said, there's a cop, put your seatbelt on. And, and so, on. yes. And so he pulled us over as soon as we hit the street and says, oh, don't don't tell me you didn't put it on afterwards. Anyway, if we would have had a, a drug charge in our history or anything bad, it would have been the whole, we need to search a car, get out of the car, all that stuff. But since everybody's clean, he comes back, oh, I'm sorry, no, no warning, no verbal warning, no written warning, no nothing going about your day. Because they just hope to find somebody with a problem or issue where they can ticket you. And she was freaking out. And I'm like, this is what happens all the time. Are they profiling you? Yeah. She's like, I don't understand. She's like, I don't understand why there's six cops for a seatbelt. Like, how did he make the call? <laughs> That they pull their guns on you, Owen? No, they didn't. But, you know, it's again, it's the same thing. When they run my stuff, I'm clean, and they're just mad. They're like, oh, gosh darn it. I wish he had, like, a, a drug arrest or something like that where we could search his vehicle and, and do anything. But I'm not like that. So, again, I just – it's bad luck for me because I'm just a magnet for cops, apparently. But she was just so upset. She's like – all the times you post, I didn't realize like that. It's like six police officers. There's six men standing around me with a gun for you not wearing a seatbelt in a parking lot. And I'm like, exactly. You endangered your life yeah. in a parking lot. Yeah. So, but, but for you. But as she was getting upset, I was like, see, that's why people get shot. Because right. if I was a upset person, I'd be like, what the f are these cops doing here? Because right. I, it's a seatbelt team. You got six people out here. What's going on? And they get paranoid. They get nervous. That they start yelling. You have to eat shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, because of their racist profiling. Yes. Oh, so now we're on this. Let me let me tell you a fun story. I was going to try to ignore it, but we're already talking about it. So I am Captain Cool and lack of days ago. I don't really worry about anything. But um, so last week. Yeah, so, but you don't want to be step and fetch it. I mean, well, that's not. So yeah, so last week um, I went out to that McGregor fight, which I really never do. I uh, got invited out. I went out. Uh, there happened to be a storm that night, and technology failed me on this night. So since I live alone, my house is automated. The lights turn on if I get 20 miles from the house, or if I'm gone for an hour, the lights turn on, the TV turns on and off, like just so something's on. The, there was a storm that night. The power happened to go out. Now, when the power goes out here, I just flip the switch. It comes back on. I come home, and someone had broken into my home. Oh, man. Now, they had been watching my house, obviously, because my house is never pitch black. So them knowing I'm out to pitch black, my car's not there, I wasn't home. Yeah. Uh, three of my Mac laptops. That's why I'm on a low grade, not HD video right now. Um, they stole all three of my laptops, both my iPads, my PlayStation. Oh, ten thousand dollars in lenses for my Canon cameras, my Canon 70D, uh, um, a backup iPhone, uh, my Galaxy Note 5, uh, Movado Watch, Hero Go Pro. So all this stuff, right? They stole. Okay, so I, um. Don't call the police out to my house. I make a list of all my things. I get up in the morning. I go to the police station. I fill out a report. Now, some people say, oh, and why didn't you call the police? And remember what I told you. You never call the police. I went there. I filled out the report. You talked that. I know. Yeah. That night, one of the articles that came up in my feed was a man was robbed. He calls the police to report the robbery. The cops show up and shot the owner of the home. Black male. Yeah. That's why you never call the police to your house. And so, that's why I got off my butt and rode down there and got and filled out the report. Let me finish, continue about my thing about police. I show up and fill out the report. My MacBook pings. Now, here's a pro tip for you. People say, oh, don't sign on to free networks. I have a, a, a guest account that I use at like a McDonald's or a Wells Fargo or a hotel or wherever. So I sign on to every free account I can. Well, whoever stole my laptop can't get into it, obviously, because it's password protected it pinged on a wells fargo bank and 
gave me the address. Apple emailed me and said, your laptop is at such and such and such and such. I go to the police and I'm like, my laptop is on right now with such and such and such and such. Oh, we have to go down to that town. It's like 10 minutes away. You have to go down to that town. Report. I go down there. I talk to the officer. The officer tells me he goes out to the house. Nobody's there. Then they play this game back and forth with me all day. You got to talk to this department. You got to talk to that department. I'm like, but my stuff is right here. It's on. Like, go to the house. Now, mind you, I can't go to that house and kick in the door and do what I want to do. Because if somebody, it's a white neighborhood, and I find out these guys are white. I actually sat in a van for eight hours and surveilled the house, took all the license plates, went back and fed. (laughs) With Owen. uh, I, I fed all this information to the cops, right? And so, mind you, they still haven't done anything yet because my local officer... I have a suspect who did it. My my one neighbor did it. He wants to catch him so bad because there's been 20 robberies in my neighborhood. Uh. So instead of them going to get my stuff, they're trying to surveil this kid to catch him doing it. And I'm like, but my stuff is there and I need my stuff. But they won't go get my stuff. And so they're playing this game. And I'm like, so here I am with an officer. I gave you the address. I gave you the location. I gave you the stuff. And you won't just go there and get it. And get these guys on possession of stolen property. You're going to go and play cops and robbers and tail this kid around who's already traded my stuff to somebody. And I'm like, that's the problem. You got six cops out here checking somebody for a seatbelt, but they don't go down to Camden and stop people from selling drugs on the corner. They can all show up 30 cops deep for a traffic stop. But if they're out here doing their job, which they ask community, people in the community need to help save their communities. They didn't take an oath. They didn't take a paycheck. And they're not out there with bulletproof vests. The officers are supposed to be the ones cleaning up the streets. And if they were doing a better job of that, instead of nickel and down people with these tickets, maybe we wouldn't have a Chicago and a Camden and a place where all this bad stuff happens. But bottom line is, I'll sit back here cool as a cucumber, even though. I was so, I, you know, my stuff was stolen. It's, I didn't even, I didn't even care. I didn't even care. Yeah, I got insurance. I'm going to get insurance back for some of the things. That's nothing. Keep your serial numbers for things. My Lord. Like some of those lenses, they're Canon lenses. $6,000 worth of glass, but I've had those lenses for like eight years. I don't know where the box is for them. I, I, serial I don't, numbers are, I don't I, know where the serial numbers are. I don't know that stuff. So please, Lord, if you, and don't put it on your computer, people. <laughs> Write it down and put it somewhere else. Um, but they didn't steal any of my information. They unplugged all of my hard drives and didn't take any of them. So at least all my information is still here. Oh. Right. Um, I have it backed up, obviously, but that that would have made me upset because there's obviously some things that are not redundant. But I got all my pictures, all my video, all my stuff. But again, I give the cops in hand all the information they need and nothing happens for me. And I'm just like, wow. It's frustrating. Oh, more frustrating than my stuff getting stole. Like I said, when my stuff got stole, I say vis-a-vis it's life. They needed it more than I did. Whatever, I'll make more money. I'll buy more stuff. It's not a big deal. Um, I've had the MacBook Pro now for three years. I've been waiting for a new one. Now I'm just mad because I need it for work, and I'm trying to justify not buying a new one yet. Hold off. Because I'm yeah, exactly. That's the that's like weird stuff makes me angry. <laughs> like the fact that I'm like <laughs> I can't buy a new computer right now because I need to wait. I just need two more months. So. Um, that, You're very patient, man. Yeah, it's it's not worth it. And again, if I didn't have a kid, I'd be handling this situation in a totally different way. Oh, but I got, really? I got it's a, it's I, different because because of, of your daughter. Oh, before I had Leah, I was a very aggressive individual, okay. and I can't like there's certain family members I can't even tell what happened about this because they would run up in those people's house for me. Like they'd be like, "Oh, you have their address," and I'm like, "Look, it's not worth it. You're older. We got kids now. Don't do it." But people. People do things, especially because, you know, I do things for other people. I help people out. I'm always doing for people. So a a childless Owen Stone is a very different (laughs) Owen Stone. Um, That's why probably kids are a good thing. Yeah. You know, I was always the kind of kid that stuck up for bullies. I mean, stuck up for kids who were getting bullied. I never liked that. Uh, I never wanted to mistreat people. I didn't uh, condone it, even if it was somebody who could beat me up. Like, look, there's other ways to go about your life than picking on the weak. So... Uh, yeah, but yeah, I was like, man, I was like, if, I, if all you cops could just show up to that house the way you show up to my car, <laughs> they, they just, and I told him like, look, just walk up there. You don't even have to go in the house, but look, we know the stuff's here. If you give us the stuff back, warning press charges, just get my, just go there and get my stuff back. And they lied to me and told me they went to the house and didn't find anything. But I was sitting in my buddy's van the whole day and no one stopped at that house. Eight hours I was in this van watching. I was on a surveillance stakeout. I had snacks. I had chips. I had a, I had a little, little pea cup. I had some water. I was in there for the long haul. 
Uh, the only thing I was missing that didn't say plumber on the side, you know, <laughs> I was I was out there watching. So, you know, it, it's just a it's been a rough week for me. Oh, man, I am so sorry. That sucks. That yeah. really sucks. Like I, like I said, it, it's good. I wasn't home. My kid wasn't home. Um, they didn't get my gun. I didn't have to shoot anybody. I think about all these things. You know, yeah. even home invasion where they say, oh, you have the right to protect yourself. I'm a black dude. If they turn their shoulder and I hit one in the wing, next thing you know, he's trying to flee and I'm assassinating somebody. I don't have to deal with that. Yeah. I don't want to, you know, go about running around like that. So, again, I, I have all these instances with cops and I even have buddies that are cops and they're all like, I would have burnt their house down. And I'm like, yeah, you can't say stuff like that because you're a cop. Yeah, you burn somebody's house down, you're getting away with it. I, I burn somebody's house down. It's a whole nother story. So I'm just trying to hold on for this new, new iPhone and hold on for this new laptop, and I'll be in the money and happy. Well, I'm just glad you had it insured. That's, uh, that's Yeah, and, and that's again, that, that's the thing about insurance, too, because they were giving me a hard time. They're like, Nobody has fifty thousand dollars worth of electronics and stuff. I was like, look, I was like, that's not even a lot of stuff. I'm like, you don't, you don't understand. Like, you know, they take much. Yeah, my and my premium was like really high, and so now they're going to be like, again, they're not going to cover the stuff I don't have serial numbers for, and right. I just have to eat that. But they're, it's just so funny the way they were talking to me, and I'm like, yeah, people have stuff. I'm like, you don't understand how expensive things are now, you know? Yeah, <laughs> like, they understand. They just yeah, don't, yeah. don't want to pay you. Yeah, things are not cheap. So America. But, uh, yeah, definitely keep your serial numbers, people. Uh, I'm actually working on a plan for that. I got to do something for that. Uh, but And I had stuff backed up to the cloud, like I said. I got to write down. I don't have serial numbers for anything. Yeah. Well, serial um, numbers. How How is the move? We're done. We're in here. You, if you're watching the video, you're seeing I'm in the uh, my office, which is a almost exact clone of the old place. Uh, and then across from me is a new studio. It's painful to move. It is painful, as you know, for yeah, anybody. Yeah, moving in general is, is a pain in the butt. Um, what did you guys end up doing with the bricks? I think they're in a bucket. So did we get the bricks, Lisa? Yes. Yes, we did. So we took them off the wall and we put them in a boxes or something. And uh, got we got to scrape off the drywall because they, were, they, were, they weren't like, you know, lightly adhered to the drywall. They were actually, they actually used mortar cement to, to to attach them to the wall so we kind of when we pull them off it takes a bit of a drywall with us so we got to clean them off and then i think we'll put them up on the wall right out in the hall here we got a nice nice long hall so yeah i was glad we could save those that was a that was a big improvement favorite vacation spot captain vacation my favorite vacation spot you've been going on a lot of them lately i've been seeing the pictures i've been talking to graham i'm gonna be in paris in three weeks i do like paris but let me think sometimes i kind of like a beach i like the ocean how's the cruise we're going in three weeks going away going far far away we need the vacation poor lisa's been killing herself my wife lisa I, well, runs I, the business she's been killing herself well number one lisa knows i love lisa i love lisa more than i love you and that's saying something so in, my, in the tier, in, in the tier, the the room you're currently in, it goes Lisa Leo, just for the actual effects of the situation. Her, it was so sweet. What was it? Uh, you gave her a football jersey. Whose jersey did he give you? Ronnie Lott. Ronnie Lott. That way, it's never going out of style. It's all. It's always good. She can wear it for a guess lifetime. Guess what jerseys I have? What what forty nine? You could tell I'm a Johnny come lately. I have a number seven Colin Kaepernick, <laughs> and I have a number twenty eight. Jared Hain. Oh, he, wow. Oh, he was the rugby guy who came from Australia all ready to take over the NFL and was such a flop. He's back in Australia playing rugby. That's Lisa's fault. Why didn't you make him get a Jerry Rice jersey? Yeah, like, I, I, like a Jerry Rice jersey. Or, or, you know, he's getting old now. Get him a Steve Young. A Navarro, she has a Navarro Bowman, right? You have a Navarro Bowman? I wanted a Navarro Bowman. Let, let he's put, safe, right? Yeah, he's yeah, safe. yeah. Let, let him put a Young on his back. Get that number eight on him. Something he could, I thought I'd be fancy. He could age with. Fancy oh. have, uh, I thought... Well, I got the Colin Kaepernick in his rookie year. I thought this kid's going somewhere. We and, remember seeing him. And at he the was going somewhere. He was one throw away from going back to the Super Bowl and one throw away from winning the Super Bowl. Uh -oh. Like, 
Uh, the, Something f- happened to him. The, you know what happened to him? The 49ers organization and management happened to him. Uh-oh, and yeah. messing Seriously. with the coaches and not getting along with people. And you, yeah. uh, Jim Harbaugh is just a man. Like, he is a man's man. Like, if I was going into a war or I was in a Western time period and you asked me who I want to lead me, it'd be Jim Harbaugh. Yeah, like, General I, Harbaugh. Yeah, General Harbaugh is getting it done. No matter what era, <laughs> no matter what space and time, like, that dude is a leader of men. Well, wait a minute. Now, Chip Kelly was your guy, right? You're, you're uh, his- I, and I never liked Chip Kelly. You didn't like him? No. And he's going to be horrible for you, too. He's a hurry-up guy, though. I like a hurry-up offense. And he like- can, he's going to hurry himself up out of the league. His problem, <laughs> Chip, Chip Kelly's general problem is, is that he is not a leader of men. He's a leader of boys. He works very well with young men that have to listen to him. He does not speak well to men that get paid more than him. That's so a thing. When, when, that's, a, that's why it's so hard to be an NBA coach, right? Yeah, well, when... The one one player, uh, McCoy, said he doesn't like black players. It's not that he doesn't like black players. He doesn't like bold players. And so most of the black players happen to be the more bold, brandish style and swag. He doesn't like that. He likes to say, sit down, and you say, yes, sir. And yeah. grown men that are making $30 million do not just sit down right. when you tell them to. He took away Taco Tuesday. Michael Vick's like, man, we ain't got no tacos no more. There's no snacks. There's no nothing. You don't He's got fruit salads. And- I know that. Yeah. I mean, that's something. You don't mess with Taco Tuesday. And smoothies. Like, so he's just, he's better with college kids. He's going to end up back in college. And I'm sure he'll do great in college again. But with, when it comes to a grown men and adults, he's just not the man for it. It doesn't. It doesn't work out in his favor. Well, it's gonna be another fun years. And you know, my fa- actually, I should have gotten what I should have gotten is number sixteen. I should have a Joe Montana yeah. shirt. And I know that's a that feels like oh, you're a front runner, but I have a good reason. I have a connection because my daughter's first kiss was Joe Montana's son Nicholas in the sixth grade because she dated Nicholas Montana. And what? I'm I'm thinking yes, I'm thinking at the time. Man, I hope this lasts. I'd how, like this. How did you not like brainwash and force her to marry that kid? <laughs> yeah, it's like keep going, Abby. Keep going. Keep this. G-. Yeah, but you know, sixth grade, you know, it doesn't. Six, sixth grade. That's when you lock it down. Uh, sixth grade. Definitely. I'm sending I, her in there with a promise ring. Oh, I'm going man. over to meet the family. Nicholas I'm going for Montana. barbecues. Well, I met Joe and I met Jennifer, and you know, I met, but because uh, anyway, they went to school together. So Joe and Jennifer were parents. They were around, but. Uh, yeah, that was. Uh, but anyway, that that so I could I could wear that shirt honestly. And you and you should wear that anyway because my again, close personal friend Joe Montana. Yeah, yeah, a- almost almost related to Joe Montana. Practically could have been his brother-in-law. That would have been a man. Ben. That would almost put you t- tied with Lisa if that would have happened. I'd have been, I'd have been coming over for barbecues, trying to hang out. You couldn't have got rid of me. I'd have been in the guest room, like living it up. I would never stay at a hotel when I'm in, in San Francisco ever. I'll take the drive back and forth from Petaluma for that. This was a nice kid. I think they, he might have NFL aspirations. Maybe not now. He's, he's probably he's Abby's age, so he's 24. It's probably too late. But uh, he played. They they moved actually so that he could play ball at a high school that had a better chance of. Uh, of winning than the Sonoma County high schools. But, uh, uh, yeah, he's, he was a nice kid. I, I was definitely encouraging. I was encouraging Abby that Nicholas, he's a nice boy. Kiss him again, Abby. Tell Kiss me, him again. Tell me, tell me what's the worst thing that one of the kids has ever done. You don't have to name the kid. You don't have to say, you don't have to rat him out. It's infinite. Yeah. Just give me one, like a good one. Did like somebody scratch the car? She hasn't, she hasn't yet reached the age where she's going to give you a heart attack, but it is coming. Owen JJ Stone. I I know my own story. The thing with me. uh, So I love to cook. And um, I actually just made the meal that I'm about to tell you about. I, I make these meatballs. I learned from uh, my friend's Italian grandmother, and she oh. taught me how to make them. Oh, my God, they're, they're delicious. I, I might great spaghetti sauce, but uh, I'm still buying the meatballs. I shouldn't be buying them. If, I should be making if, them. If that's the case, I'll make you the meatballs. I'll fry them up. I'll freeze send them. I'll send the them to you overnight. You got to taste you, my meatballs first so you can you lavish them. And bake them? I I, I, I fry them lightly in some olive oil and roll Wrap them. Up. Yep, crisp them up. And then I usually let them just sit in my sauce to cook through the rest of the way. The sauce. Yeah. And what's your recipe? Pork, beef? What do you put in there? Um, Ground turkey and beef. Oh, that sounds good. Yeah. And little breadcrumbs? Uh, I, mean, I can't get a whole secret away. We on the internet. The whole world will find out. You can't just be. This, see, women love me because I can cook. This is how I get them to come back. I'm, I'm the Chef Bardi. You know, here's the thing how crazy. Yeah, we have a meatball off. Listen, this is how crazy I am about cooking, right? So the mother of my child I was with for seven years. 
I never taught her how to cook anything. And she kept saying, she's like, why won't you teach me how to cook? I'm like, not not to doom our relationship, but I'll never teach any woman how to cook. I'm not going to have you leave me and then go make my world-famous meatballs for some other dude. Uh, uh, no, sir. You you get your own. I cook it. I had no problem cooking. I'm not teaching you how to cook nothing. And to this day, she tells Leah, ask your dad if he's going to make some bread or chicken, if he could bring me some, because I love your dad's bread or chicken. Ain't nothing like your dad's bread or chicken. And that's where I'm, I'm stingy, and I'm selfish and i can't just be giving out recipes i mean i'm never you and i are never gonna date so i can give you a recipe off air off but the air. i mean i can't just be i'm not stealing your woman i can't just what, be shelling them out what is breaded chicken like fried chicken what is breaded chicken um uh it's uh, like for for chicken parm breaded chicken so i'll get oh. chicken breasts and cutlass with like the yep. the breadcrumbs and i'd bread you, it you and fat do you plant them flat or you uh, just leave them man look Look, I'm telling. Look, look, I'm I'm telling you that there are women that I don't date anymore. They call me up to ask me to make them a meal. They just want to come back to eat because the food's so good. You don't get this. People say all the time, like girls come over and they're like, "It's so strange." Like you know, I don't have cookies or snacks or cakes. Like, no, no offense. Like women said, women said to me, "No offense, but how are you so big? You don't have any snacks or chips or anything to snack on." I'm like. Because I make good food, like I, I eat rich Alfredos and pastas, and I'm oh. eating two helpings, and I got my my oh. breakfast looks like steak, eggs, uh, potatoes, some toast, uh, and a little bit of uh, it's just great. I just love cooking. I love food. You know, I'm moving in with you. You, I'll be I'll be your girlfriend Look, now. I, hey, I come out there, and let me tell you something. <laughs> I teach I teach you how to make two meals, and Lisa will never leave you, no matter what you do. No matter I'll what you do, you can lose all your hair. Lisa, and Lisa stay with can be you. the judge, okay? Yeah, we'll do yeah. it. We're going to get it done. <laughs> um, oh, so let me tell you my story as a kid messing okay. up. So I learned how to make these meatballs. I made them two or three times in a row because that's what I do. When I learn a new meal, I eat it for a week straight, and I perfect it. So I go exactly. back to back to back yep. until I get it down pat. Um, so I made the meatballs two nights in a row, no problem. The third night, I forgot to turn. It was electric stove. I forgot to turn it off. And so the heat started melting the handle of the pan. Uh oh. And the little flakes of plastic were going off and were setting the floor on fire in patches of the <laughs> oh, plastic geez. linoleum. And I was not allowed to cook for a year and a half, two years. I wasn't allowed to do anything. And it was like, you could have set the house on fire. You owe me a floor. And I was like, I'm so sorry. I didn't know. And it just, I almost burnt the house down. But, you know, and I got really in trouble because as a kid, I had a blender. And I used to get um, rubbing alcohol, and I put paper and rubbing alcohol in the blender, and I set it on fire, and then I trap it to put it out. What the hell? And I did that for like insane. I did that for like six months till I got caught, and so now I was always known as the pyro kid. Like, <laughs> so when please. I did that with the pan, it was like, see, you're here messing with fire, and I'm like, I didn't mean. I'm not trying to, you know. It's one of those things that nobody believed me uh, in the whole situation. Oh, let me tell you another fun kid story. So, because, you know, have you seen the thing about the government and cheese? The government's uh, doing something to raise the price of cheese? No, they're raising the price of cheese? They're, they're trying to either buy up stockpiles of cheese or something to make the cheese and fluctuation rate. What is it with the U.S. government and cheese? I, I, I have no idea, but that's where I'm going with this. So, when I, was, when I was six years old, I was with my grandmother, and that's when they had, like, the government cheese. You get the block of it, right? Right. right. Was this, there good that government cheese so i'm about to tell you how good it was so until this day i still just love cheese but i used to go in and eat the cheese and i would get in trouble because i'm always eating the cheese so the one time my grandma beat me with a switch she said stop eating all the cheese so the next day i took half the block i went and hid in the closet and i heard the whole house looking for me they thought i ran away everybody's freaking out they were looking all over the neighborhood for me and i'm sitting in the closet eating this cheese and so like around eight o'clock at night uh, I start whining and crying because now I ate all this cheese and my stomach's hurting. Had to go to the hospital. Had to get the enemas. At my, I had a blockage from all the cheese. I had ate oh, a half a block of cheese. God. So I sat in the closet all day. Story. If this doesn't get you unhappy, I don't know, Will. <laughs> the federal government two days ago bought $20 million, 11 million pounds of surplus cheese as a bailout. Because the cheese farmers in the U.S. had boosted production because of the prices being so record high, and then demand slumped, and there was a huge cheese surplus. It's reached a 30-year high, and so the federal government, bad enough they bail out the banks, now they're bailing out the cheese makers.
it's just it sounds insane when you read it you're like what's going like why can't we just we can't have a, a regulated a regular cheese market we got to regulate the cheese market by so they're going to get by the way the good news is this cheese will be distributed to food banks it's going to be another government cheese program but here's the thing that's scary on average americans eat how much cheese a year do you think the average american eats um the average american yeah uh, five hundred pounds. No, come on. <laughs> I'm talking about myself. I, I got day. I got Parmesan. <laughs> come I got on, Parmesan. I got American. I got uh, uh, provolone. I got Swiss. I got all kinds of cheeses. Uh, there's cheese in my meatballs right now. I got cheese in the meatballs. Oh, yes. Oh, wait a minute. I'm writing this down. Yeah. I'm getting, we're getting that. Uh, that's, 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 a, that's, a, that's a that's a that's a sneak tip. Yeah, you got to go back and piece together. Parmesan cheese in the meatballs. Oh yeah. No, no, that makes sense. Yeah. Do you so. know what this is what I do? I save cheese rinds. When you've finished a parmesan cheese, you know, you're down to the rind, you save the freeze the rind cuz then you put that in soup and stuff and it's amazing. I didn't know that. That's yeah. a good tip. I make a good potato soup. I might have to try that. Mm. Ah. My people call that vichyssoise. Vichyssoise. So, so really it's only 30 it's only 32 pounds of cheese a year. That's a lie. That or for me, that's a guaranteed lie. I I I I buy at least like four pounds. Wait, was that two pounds? I buy four pounds of cheese a week, just sliced cheese. Actually, I do too. For sandwiches, we love cheese. Like I love cheese. I, cheese on my eggs, cheese sandwiches, like cheese so on my pastas. Like there's no. That's such a. Well, that, uh, anyway, we be eating cheese. So, what's your what kind of cheese? Cheddar cheese? Um, a cheese? cheddar. Whatever I'm in the mood for. That's what I'm saying. I love cheese. <laughs> I love like I can't I don't know like I said I don't have you can go look at my cabinet right now I have no cookies I have no chips I got, cheese, I got I got I got four kinds of cheese in my fridge right now I, <laughs> no me too I cheese got it so, cheese is good food I uh, I've convinced Lisa Lisa was not Lisa was kind of the you know orange cheddar cheese eater she was a very plain mild cheddar cheese and I've slowly worked her up. To, to a sharper cheddar, to a Cabot, you know, Vermont aged cheddar. It's got a lot of flavor. It's just some more flavor. But she's still, she's still, she won't. So we're on the cruise ship and uh, there's a cheese plate and we're, we're going and I get a little of the cheese because I like cheese. And she, and she took a bite. <laughs> she, she said, really at the top of her voice, here we are in the restaurant, that's disgusting. <laughs> and she said, it tastes like foot. Like at the top of her lungs. What kind of cheese was it? Oh, it was just you know kind oh, of the a cheese plate. Yeah, sort of one of those. It wasn't a badly stinky cheese, but so now anytime we she doesn't like a cheese, I say it tastes like foot. She doesn't like foot cheese. She'll ask me, we'll go, we'll be eating cheese. I say, is that? She'll say, is that a foot cheese? I'll say, no, no, this is a very mild, some, not a foot cheese. Some, I like foot cheese. Somebody but. reminded me what it was like a year ago. And I can't remember, but it was um, when I was in Germany. There was a cheese that they had put on a grill, and they grilled it. Oh. Uh, it was a very thick cheese, and once you grilled it, it like kind of started to melt, coagulate. Yeah, yeah, once you yeah. got the grill marks in, and they took it off, and, they, and you would eat it. And I can't remember what it's called or who it, who makes it, but somebody reminded me. Do that in Buenos Aires as well. I'm sure it comes from Germany, and they, it's amazing, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's so I, I haven't had it in so long, but I can't get it out of my cheesy brain in the back of my head. Um, <laughs> in college, they talk about government cheese. My friend was one of those kids that's like, cheese is cheese. My mom always uses the single. Singles, craft singles, and I'm like, bro, get it off the block. We'll get cheese. And he had this cheese that's that was like, cheese. it was, it wasn't even Acme brand. It was like some sub generic brand. This cheese, we had a former grill. You put it on a former grill on a burger, and you close it, and the cheese wouldn't melt. I'm like, I will never eat that cheese. I don't know what that is, but that is not cheese. It takes almost five minutes to melt with a hot press on it. I'm like, that's not real. <laughs> that's rubber. That's yeah, not... yeah. I was like, that's so some kind of chemical in, compound. In Buenos Aires, they call it provoleta. Uh, provoleta. It's pr it's a it's an Argentinian provolone cheese. Which and it cooks, it grills. They grill it in little frying pans, and it's so good. I don't know if that's the same. I mean, there is a huge German uh, population, but there's also a huge Italian population in Buenos Aires, so it could be Italian or German. Wow. But it's so good. It's look, look, so good. Well, then Lisa's gonna have to take me on vacation so let's I can get some cheese. Let's do a cheese show. I could do a cheese show. Do you ever? Do, not that this is a very stupidly loaded question. <laughs> Do you get tired of being put in the box as a tech guy? Because you're so affluent, you have so many other things and passions in life, and, and you know so much stuff. Like sometimes, don't you just sit there and like? Because you know how people are. 
stick to tech, Leo. Yeah, you have I no support. opinion on anything else in the world. Here's the stick one thing that I, I, I don't let myself talk about politics. Oh, fix yourself. You keep leaning into the. I'm an old man. I just lean. When I get older, I start, <laughs> start to lean a little bit. Have you not noticed that? That's Grandpa I, I Leo. Kid, another early memory. I was in the nursery school. Uh, my parents would, they hired uh, some guy who, he had a very long station wagon that he could bring a lot of kids in. And like, have you ever been in those airporters? I don't know. They may not even make them anymore. But they're like four or five rows. It's a, it's still a car. Yeah. It's a long station yep. wagon. A stretch limo, but just like a, a long, anyway. Anyway, his name was Mr. Olney, and he was old. He was ancient, and he drove just like that. He drove. <laughs> he, he was leaning over while he drove like that. And you made it. You, you made it to talk about it. <laughs> but I never will forget uh, the Mr. Olney and his tilting uh, drive style. So maybe that's what's happening. I'm just turning into Mr. Olney. Um, you being so in a, you being in a box. Before I started uh, you, leaning. You, you being in a box. Oh, I, you know, I get to talk about a lot of stuff because it's my network, and so and I do so many shows. I do ten shows a week, so uh, you know, I I throw stuff in. Even the radio show where I'm the tech guy, I throw stuff in. But like I said, there's a few things that are so taboo that you just can't talk about them. There's of course religion, there's sex, but the biggest taboo these days is politics. Yeah. That's why I like talking to you, because we could talk about race. We could talk about politics. The first time I met you, it was that beer show with St that Stuart did. Uh, yeah. And and it was about all about politics. Boy, did I enjoy that, because I don't get to do it. it. It's funny, because it's one of those situations where, you know, there's been times I've been on a show and people are like, oh, well. You 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 just let black people you I get I get emails every time I'm on Twitter I get a lot of emails from black people like oh it's so great to see somebody representing African American on Twitter I love it thank you and I get other people like oh you let Leo just make a joke out of so I was like it's so hard to be white right now I know I know we have white privilege but white people just can't make a joke you you guys every comedian in the world make a fun of white people but if a, if a white person makes just a joke people lose their mind and I'm like. He, he has no ill will or malice like in his voice is like sometimes a joke is just a joke like yeah. it, like you know the Ellen DeGeneres thing where she's talking about H Hussein Bolt like the guy just broke all the records and she said I'd have him run me everywhere she didn't put a leash and a collar on him and a, and a ball and say he's my slave monkey she said I'd have the fastest man in the world run me around to get groceries like right. it's a joke like you can't it's so you know, the world sometimes. Race is one that it more, that's the most taboo subject of all right now, right? Yeah. And it's the one that we need to talk about the most, frankly. Um, and, and, you know, there's a huge amount. you got to understand this. There's a huge amount of white guilt. And any, any white person who is at all empathetic or sensitive is totally aware of this. It's, it's, there's nothing. And what are you supposed to do as a white person? You, you know, you see... You see, you know, uh, you see what's going on. I see you being pulled over, and it just breaks my heart. And I don't, as a as a white person, you take that guilt on, frankly. Yeah, it's You're it's all guilty. It, and it's again, even when people are trying to do good, uh, um, um, a gentleman uh, came into our UPS store, and he was he's been a longtime customer. We've known this guy a long time, older white gentleman. He comes in, he's like, "Look, I'm I'm adopting a young." Um, african-american child and i just wanted to know like where do i get his haircut he's seven oh. i don't know if there's any kind of cultural things i need to know I or anything like that yeah my cousin who's also co-owner of the store he walks out and the guy's like what's wrong did i say something wrong and i'm like he doesn't like the term african-american he prefers being called black and he's like well am i supposed to call him How black i'm like to know that i'm like honestly that doesn't even matter because i called him back i was like yo come back out here i'm like first of all this man came in asking questions for help so if and, you don't prefer good questions, yeah, as like if you don't prefer African American, instead of you walking off angry, why don't you explain to him why you prefer being called black, and maybe he can make a decision to understand. I was like, this is not a white guy who came in and tried to oppress you or yell at you. He's coming and trying to help. I, I'm not adopting black kids. He's adopting a black kid. So far, he's helping out the black community better than we are. You know what I mean? I'm just I'm making mixed babies out here. I'm not. I ain't got no full black kid of my own. You know? And I'm like, this the, the white guy can't win. And I'm like, I felt so bad for him. And I'm like, oh. 
oh man deserve it yeah not that we didn't earn it no uh, i know but even when people try to do right other people try to jump on them and that's where you say like well what do you do because again you as a white man and, and you feeling for me if you just went out and said i'm i'm tired of seeing how everybody's treating Owen. people like leo you don't know anything about it what are you what are you talking about it for right. you right. know and it's right. like, well, I'm sticking up right. for my friend. It's called being You're empathetic for somebody. You could put some yourself in somebody else's shoes. You really can. And by the way, a lot of people, uh, a lot of close people to me say, oh, we should be race blind. We shouldn't talk about skin color because it is it is irrelevant. Of course, it's irrelevant. And yet it's not irrelevant. It's a fundamental issue in our society. And I don't think you can be colorblind. I don't think you should be colorblind. I think you need to acknowledge it. And so I do make jokes. I do talk about it. And I think the safest thing, politically correct thing, would you be not to pretend that you're white? Yeah. <laughs> Basically, yeah. right? And just and because and, and when oh, you're it's like us and when, and when you're colorblind to it, it's then other people of color look at you and say the same thing everyone of color feels about Silicon Valley. It is a white male orgy fest. Right. And if you're not a white man, then it doesn't matter. And that's right. how people look at San Francisco. Right. And, and that's not fair. But it's also it's fair, <laughs> you know, it because is the fact. a lot of people and I have a lot of friends that are white males there to treat me well and, and have no problems with me. But at the same time, they don't talk about race or anything like that unless it's brought up to them. So people look at them and say, oh, well, they don't care about our problems, our situations. And I'm like, well, if you got a good enough idea, they're going to try and make money off you and exploit you like they do everybody else. So <laughs> I, I and so my flaw and, and people are sensitive to this and they're right to be is I do bring up with race with you a lot. Because I don't want to be uh, somebody saying, oh, there's, you know, there's no, there's no, I'm colorblind. Because I don't think that's right either. I think you have to acknowledge it uh, and acknowledge what's going on in our society and the divides in our society. It's, it's, it's not right to not acknowledge it. It's not right to acknowledge it. It's a pain in the freaking ass. Especially in the space of what you're dealing with. I mean, look at people not talking about race in Snapchat and they put in that Asian filter. Yeah, maybe if they have more people of race or color on their board or on their panel or on their something, yes. Yeah. It, it, yeah. It, but when you're in a room full of just white people and you can't reach out and talk to somebody, you get those filters and everybody loses their mind, rightfully so. So I mean, you got to talk about the things. Obviously, not at nauseum, but you know, like sometimes the things just come up. And again, for you being a white male, hey, at least I get to ask somebody who's of that culture to get their opinion on it, and I'm not just making up my own right. assertion. Well, and I, you know, and I probably, this is probably uh, out of uh, nervousness. I often make jokes and that they, and I shouldn't, I shouldn't be joking around, but I feel like I know you so well and, and we can make those jokes. And, and, uh, and I'm a jokey person. You know, it's the same thing about when people all yeah, the time. I, I Carmichael, I'm not going to make jokes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> take it seriously. It, it's the strangest thing because people look at me and they say, oh, oh, and you don't have credibility. And I, I instantly tell them like, look. Just look up my IQMZ domain. I've had 10 different businesses under that same domain. It's been registered since 2002. So no, I don't write for uh, Mashable or whatever. I don't regurgitate um, tech blogs. Like I'm not doing a press release write up. I'm sorry. Right. We'll make somebody a tech expert. Anyway. Exactly. So I mean, like I've been in technology. I've written you code for Flash. Like, yeah. I, and, I, and I've done all the jobs that most people do. And I've hated them and I've switched to other things. Right. Right. Like, but people don't know those things. So they put those assertions on. Same thing when having a conversation with somebody. Right. You're, you are a vast library of information and knowledge, especially when it comes to tech. That's why I was asking about your memory to start the show, because it's always so impressive to me when I watch you or listen to one of the things that people ask you a question and you just recall. And I know people sit there and probably think, oh, he's got a teleprompter or he's got a such and such. People and, used to say that on tech TV. They said, oh, yeah, the ear people are telling you. That. Oh, there's yeah. People in the ear telling you the answer. And and there's and people don't realize like nobody's like, again, you'll look up <laughs> stuff. Telling me is shut up yeah. and move on. <laughs> the, the, they'll see you like look up something like just where you want to check it. But a lot of times you're firing off answers from memory because you know well, that, you. that nice. information. And it's very impressive. Um, and lastly, because this is Doc Tales, I tell people, because people always ask uh, how I got on uh, Twit and how I met you. And so, yeah, I tell them the story. So I was at South by Southwest. Uh, that was when you I were. I think I know this story, so I want to yeah, hear yeah, this. Yeah, story. yeah, you don't know the story. So, and this is this is why Lisa is above you because Lisa knows talent. That's why I guess she likes you because she just has an eye for talent. Okay. So, um, it was uh, the Dignation event, 
Right. And I had kind of knew Kevin at that time. I had interviewed him and we we're hanging out and, and you and Lisa were uh, doing your video thing or whatever. Yeah, I, I, had, I, I had a camera on a stick. Yes. On a monopod because Scoble said, oh, the only coverage that's worthwhile at South by is the party coverage. So I said, well, what we'll do is we'll go down and I'll just walk around from party to party with a live view and a stick and record everything. Yeah. So I bumped into you there, said hi, and I met Lisa and said hello, talked to her for a little bit behind the scenes while you were talking to Kevin. Later on, I'm at a Mashable party, and someone was having an argument with me about Gowalla versus Foursquare. And I'm literally ripping Gowalla for being some sissified color cartoon of Foursquare, and it's never going to work out. One. And Lisa was just laughing hysterically at me yelling at somebody, and she's like, you are hysterical. And I'm like, thank you. She's like, no, you're really like, like, for text." you are not boring like you do not hold back and i'm like not really and she's like you should be on twit and i'm like sure what's twit and uh she was oh, like that's awesome she was i had like, no idea she's like give me your car give me your information i'm gonna get you on twit the next week i come up i walk in uh i think i was with kevin rose and dvorak for that first show and i shook your hand and you're like i don't know why you're here but apparently you're a good guy so what do you do again <laughs> And Wait, I'm like, it wasn't I? So it wasn't the beer podcast. Beer diplomacy, That's not where I met beer, you? No, beer diplomacy was like a year later after. I was on Twit oh, probably okay. twice before then. Okay. I was on with uh, Jenny Jenny Jordan and the Cthulhu. Remember, she had that fruit yeah. thing. Yeah, that was so yeah. long ago. But that it was all because of Lisa. It's all Lisa's fault. No, I never, um, I never thanked that, her for that. that. I had no idea. Yeah, I, I remember I distinctly just felt because like you drifted into my life. I didn't really know how and, that, and happened. that, and that's how it feels. But like that, when I walked in that room, because the cottage was so like, I watched the show, and then I walk in that room, I was like blown. I'm like, it's, it's like what, a, it's like a magic box. How is, how is the show done in this tiny? I, I was just, I'm a big guy, and I'm like, I'm not gonna fit in here. I'm like, this is so weird and surreal. And you're like, hey, how you doing? Like, what do you do again? And I'm like, I make people laugh and I talk about tech stuff sometimes. Nice, you're like, all nice, right, nice. And so yeah, that's how we met. That's so and awesome. It's all Lisa's that's fault. So funny. So wow. th- that what is a world. That is that is the story. Lisa out here finding gems in the rough. So that's why I always love Lisa. Lisa always has a place in my heart. She's good. She's um, amazing. So, uh, she has, you know, she has a great eye for uh, talent and for funny. And obviously she loves you, too. So. Yes. So um, I'm not going to really tell you about where you can find Leo, because if you just Google Leo, if you start typing in Leo, the first thing that comes up is Laporte. He's on Twitter. He's on Instagram. He's uh, the captain and CEO and captain of the ship. Uh, this night thing that everybody wants to be when they grow up called twit.tv. Um, the best compliment to you, I, I was on another gentleman's show. He has like eight shows. He's doing really cool stuff. He's got eight different shows going on. And the first thing he told me was like, I saw you on Twit two years ago, and I wanted to create a Twit. And wow. that's what I'm doing. And nice. I sh- I'll send you a link to this stuff. But it, I was like, man, that's so nice to like, again, everybody wants to be Uncle Leo when they grow up and, and run their own little empire. And thanks to the Internet, we can do that. So it's amazing, I, isn't it? Yes. That's really amazing. I appreciate you taking the time, as always, Uncle Leo. Uh, like I said, he's on the internet. I have to plug Leo. But I'll plug myself. I'm a doctor. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. Uh, Patreon me. Send me a pigeon, uh, a squirrel. And if, oh, matter of fact, matter of fact, how about this? How about this? If you want some of my recipes, if you want to uh, 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 spice up your love life, then you throw me some Patreon money and right in there, I want a recipe for this Patreon Ooh. money and I'll send you, not you, Leo, you can't cheat. Oh. I'm checking <laughs> IDs. This is for other people. You That's can't cheat. That's a reward. That's now, a good reward. We're, we're having, a, we're going to have a meatball off before I give you any kind of recipe. <laughs> You're going to have to bow down to my superiority before you get this recipe. <laughs> Um, I'm your boy with JJ Stone, a.k.o. Doctor. Another episode of Doc Tales. Woo!